So there's something on the horizon. Is there? I think there is. And I think you know what it is, Phil. I do know what it is. So one of the things that I had initially planned to do this year was to produce a solo play for Christmas. But I don't know if you know this. That's not happening. (laughs) What? I know. It's crazy. But there's a pandemic. And I don't know why I'm Christopher Walken already all of a sudden. Well, what I decided to do instead, since that's not possible, is I turned it into an audio drama. Mm-hmm. And it's called St. Nick and the Big F*** Up. And it'll be starting November 17th. It's an audio drama in six parts, written and performed by me. Oh, it's so exciting. And when it is released in its parts, where can we hear it? Um, you'll be able to hear it at uh, St. Nick and the Big F Up dot com. Uh, and of course, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts, you'll find it there. Oh, that's so exciting. It was written by you. Yes, that's right. It was performed by you. Yes, that's right. It's marketed by you. Yes, that's right. I, I put together all of the sound effects and, uh, and and sort of like edited up the music and stuff. So it's, it's about ready to come out. Oh, that's so exciting. It's going to get you all geared up for Christmas. The storyline's so good. You let me hear a little snippet of it, and I'm excited to hear it in its full glory. Well, why don't, why don't we uh, play the trailer? Yes, yes, let's. Hi, I'm Nick, world champion fuck up full-time asshole part-time mall Santa, which is ironic because I don't even like Christmas. Christmas and I have not been on speaking terms for a long time. I'm not even supposed to be working today. Christmas Eve, the busiest day of the year at the mall, the worst day to be Santa. And today is a bad day, but it's about to get worse. So much worse. St. Nick and the Big F*** Up is a holiday audio drama in six parts, written and performed by me, Phil Rickaby. Find it at stnickandthebigfup.com as well as everywhere you get podcasts, starting November 17th. I'm Jess McCauley, and I'm a theater maker, and I am also an introvert. I'm Phil Rickaby, and I am a writer and performer, and I'm also an introvert. And this is The Introvert's Guide to. On The Introvert's Guide to, we talk about the introvert life and how to live it to the fullest. We'll choose a topic and discuss it, as well as try to find other helpful hints on social media and the internet at large. If you want to drop us a line, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, the number two, and you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com. If you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website or you can email us at introvertsguidetostuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide too. And if you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people find this show. But even better. Whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you know someone that you think might like The Introvert's Guide too, tell them about it. 
Some of our favorite podcasts became our favorites because someone we know told us about them. Let's start with a question. Here's just, just I'm, I'm curious. Do you consider yourself a leader? I do. Do you? I do. I know. Shockingly. Okay. No, no, no. It's not. It's not that. It's. Is that I? I would say that I have not thought of myself as a leader until relatively recently. I can't. I kept finding myself in seeming leadership roles over the years in various stages. Right. And so it was almost like accidental. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not nothing that I sought out. Did you think of yourself as a leader before you became? You were made a leader. Yeah, yeah. I growing up a girl being called bossy really meant that I just I was a good leader. I, I had to learn to take that in stride. I was I I had to be okay with it at some point and go, I don't think they mean it that way. I think they just mean I'm good at I'm good at delegating. I can do that. <laughs> that's good. I mean that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, no, it's true. And I mean, like, you know, a lot of times when I hear someone say that that person is bossy, I like to say, oh, yeah, no, they do make a good leader, eh? And and mm. so you just kind of flip the script on it. But I've always known that I can delegate. Um, with that being said, though, having anxiety, I did learn to pay attention to any other leaders in the room and maybe let them take the reins if they really know what they're what they uh what they expect out of a project. And I, I say that out of my anxiety because I think it's made me tone myself down and it's made me want to sometimes go, you know, fade away into the background just because I feel that there's other people that can do a job better. Uh, but when given the task or it's something I'm really passionate about, then I know I can definitely take the reins on something. When people think of leaders, they don't necessarily think of introverts. We go back to that extrovert default, and often people think that you have to be an outgoing person to be a leader. I think that that's not necessarily true. No, I don't think so. I I think you do have to prepare yourself for being on more than usual, but I don't think that necessarily means you have to be outgoing. Um, you, you know, that, that's insinuating that I'm always going to be with my teammates on whatever we're mm-hmm. doing. And, and we're not. It just means that as an introverted leader, I have to make sure that not only am I taking care of the people that rely on me, I also have to make sure I'm taking care of myself. So if that means maybe turning off social media after nine o'clock and spending the rest of my time before now in bed, maybe chilling out, reading a book meditating for a while, then that's something that should be valued. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, you know, I've had extroverted leaders and I've had introverted leaders. And I think maybe I've also had narcissistic leaders, so that's possible too. But mm. the thing that makes an introverted leader a good leader is the ability to listen. Yes. And the ability to have meaningful conversations with their uh with with their team oh absolutely as as a leader have you have you been able to have those conversations like what if you look will you manage the store so that's like a leadership position for sure and when you were in that position what did you notice about your leadership style over over other leaders i valued input a lot as a leader I can't always be right on everything. And as much as 
I would like to be the kind of person that can always make the best call. And no matter what, I'm always going to be a great leader. That's not always the case. Um, What I can do, though, to ease that burden is to listen to everybody. This isn't just my project. It's everybody else's involved. So listening to the entire room. Now, if nobody knows what to do, then I think that's that's you as a as a leader that sort of has to negotiate that with yourself and maybe mm-hmm. using your using your teammates as a sounding board for sure. But always listening was was definitely a, a practical thing to do as a leader. Have you had in your time in the workforce and in other places? Have you had people? Have you had uh, uh, bad leaders? Have you have you faced bad leadership? Oh yeah. <laughs> What? I mean, in your in oh, yeah. your mind, in your mind, what makes a bad leader? Oh, it's it's the person that makes a whole bunch of promises and say they're going to do something, but they either come out half-assed or not very well thought out to begin with, or it's the reliance on other people to pick up the slack. So you can delegate a job, but if you're delegating so well that you're, you yourself are not doing anything, then, then I think you're missing the point of being a leader. Um, with that being said, I have been under bad leadership before. Uh, and unfortunately, it was a project I was producing, and I had to appoint a leader for something in one specific department. And I just happened to be, it was, it was a show I was doing. I was the producer, but I was also acting in it, but I wasn't directing it. I, I did not want to do all of that. That's just, that's, that's not my place to be doing that. Hmm. And I had a director, um, wasn't exactly the greatest of experiences, but I think the final straw was during a rehearsal where a temper tantrum may have ensued. And that's when I, I had to, I had to pull the plug. There's always, there's always got to be limits. And the second that Mm. your, your work is affecting everybody else and you're making the space unsafe, Mm. then me as the leader, as introverted as I am, and maybe as not liking conflict as much, that's your responsibility to keep the workplace safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it definitely came with its challenges. Yeah. What about you? I've, I've had my share of both good and bad leaders. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we were saying, like there one of the hallmarks of of good leadership i think is the ability to give your your team the feeling that you are in their corner that you have their back that you um in some measure care about them enough to get you know you don't have to be friends with them but there should be some some care given and and that means like making sure that they have what they need to do their work, that they're not overworked and that they, they know where they stand. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had managers who are really good at that. And I've had some that are really bad at that. And it it, it makes all the world of a difference when it really does. It does. And you know, if I can point out another thing as well about an introverted leader, what makes them so awesome is It's the streamlining of information and communication because an introverted leader will really pick how they best communicate and ensure that everybody is on the same page. And to add to that, an introverted leader usually can sum up a meeting in an email really well. Mm. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I have I have been in too many. This could have been an email meeting. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, the pandemic is actually kind of showing that what could have been an email. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Introverts will not organize these meetings if they don't need to happen. That's that's absolutely that's absolutely true. I think in some cases introverts many introverts don't seek out the leadership it just finds them mm -hmm. and the next thing they know they're like oh okay i'm a leader here yeah no it's true i mean like you know i i didn't i ju i just wanted to make theater <laughs> I, I assumed that i had to take some sort of role on it but it, I didn't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I, I really need to be a leader of something. I need to produce this show just to be a leader. You didn't wake up with some kind of megalomaniacal glee thinking to yourself that now you're going to rule a theatrical empire? No, I didn't. I'm not masochistic. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild ride. I'll do it again, but... And notice that my shows are so, so far and few in between. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like for me, I did not say to myself, ah, I'm going to try to become a leader in this area. It just, it just happened. Next thing I knew, people were looking to me for something and I was like, oh, I guess this is, this is me now. <laughs> this is who I am. In terms of becoming a manager, Jess, did you... How did how did that come to you? How did you end up as the manager of a retail store? That was uh, that was a really uh, strange situation. I actually my store that I originally was a uh, a manager at closed, and they transferred me, um, and I didn't. I, I had to go just one step below. But what happened was is one of the managers, the assistant, was on mat leave, so the third key went up to the assistant and then I managed to get up to the next spot. And it just, that's just the way it sort of worked into there. But then the assistant decided not to come back. Um, and so I stayed on in my position and becoming a manager was an adjustment I, I already, yeah, I already knew what I was doing. And I did have some people on my level come to me for questions. Like just when the manager wasn't available, you could ask me and I, I, I'd have an answer for you. But it was when everything was going wrong and they only came to you. That's when it was definitely in a, a learning curve for me. Um, and it just, it also, I loved the people I worked with, but it was definitely just the subject matter of work. And being able to, like, having to take leadership and responsibility and accountability over a product that I just wasn't necessarily invested in entirely, right? So me not being invested definitely wasn't helping my confidence as a manager. It was the, the, force, the force I had to put into it. So, I mean, mm. I think I would have slipped into the position a little easier had it have been something that was well within my field and something I was really passionate about, which can be interchangeable when it comes to the field. But yeah, I don't like becoming a manager, making sure that the communication was there, ensuring everybody knew what they were doing, um, troubleshooting the problems, 
it's difficult. It, it's really hard. And especially when you have a day off and, and you got to go in or you're, you know, you're called because there's questions you have. I had conference calls and mm. it was a lot. It was a lot. One of the things that I think is the difference between the the extroverted manager and the introverted manager, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, because I don't speak from <laughs> I don't necessarily speak from a place of authority, not being an extrovert. But uh, one of the hallmarks that I've seen when I compare my extroverted uh, uh, managers and my my uh, my introverted managers that I've that I've worked with is that the the extroverted managers spend an awful lot of time talking and not a whole lot of time doing much listening. It was, it's the, it's a lot, primarily it was based off of assumptions rather than taking in what the other team members have to say about something. Mm. And, and that's, it, that is something I did note because the manager was an extrovert. It, it was always the same greeting coming in with the same amount of enthusiasm that I just couldn't match every time. I think like after like my sixth day of working there, it was the same answer. I was like, hello, hi, I'm here. Like, okay, <laughs> let me have my coffee, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there was definitely a lot more assumptions and more giving the task rather than asking about the task. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily mind someone telling me you need to do this. That's fine, but I would like to talk about the assignment so that way we're both on the same page. I know for me as a leader, I, I like to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing, if they have any questions, if there's any concerns that need to be voiced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely valued that in myself as being a leader, and I know that my my teammates did too. It was definitely a discussion that had to happen at one point or another with the manager that was a you know, you may not be getting the best out of this employee for X, Y, Z. So maybe we could remedy this with, you know, with this option, X, Y, Z, right? Well, that is the hallmark of, of a good listener, though, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that is that um, the the introvert being more of a, a sensitive, if we turn, you know, I mean, that's what Susan Cain said, the high touch or the 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 very sen- the more sensitive of 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 the of the personality types is is attuned to the way that people are reacting to things they're listening more to what people are saying um and and really sort of as as people watchers we watch the people mm-hmm. and so we notice when people are looking stressed when people are um are nearing the end of what they can take when they're if they're if you, we might even notice that when you sort of veer towards a particular topic, their throat tightens as though they're trying not to not to cry, and you pick up on these things, and you you know that okay, we need to talk about something here. We need to get to the bottom of something here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you know that I don't mean to. I'm not ragging on this old manager, but it was just definitely it was such a difference that when there was an issue. You know, the assistant manager happened to be an introvert as well. It spoke volumes when teammates would rather come to us than to the manager because they didn't feel Mm. like anything was really being solved. They Mm -hmm. felt that sometimes it, you know, sometimes it bordered on gossip. I'm not Mm. saying that all extroverts are going to gossip, but it's one of those things that made me cautious of Of an extroverted leader is I want to be able to voice something and talk about the issue, not 
talk about it at length and really not getting any sort of resolution. Well, that is the thing is that at a certain point, uh, either the, either the talking about it is constructive or it is not. Right. And it's just talking for the sake of talking. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to be a good listener to figure that out. Yeah. I've, I've met some extroverted, extroverted people that are good listeners. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give you that. Just maybe not the one that I worked with. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't the best. But that's okay. And it's not, we're not saying that that extroverts are not good listeners. Exactly. We're just saying that that introverts tend to be good listeners because they're we are people watchers and we we notice things and you know we we're having like a different kind of conversation, mm-hmm. a more deeper conversation. And speaking like just to call back to our open concept. Uh, episode when we were discussing that the open concept office is an extroverted idea. An introvert would not have come up with that idea, but that doesn't discredit the open workspace. It's just a a lot more adjustments mm-hmm. need to happen now to make this space ergonomic, really, to yeah. make it an accessible workplace, one that I can work within, right? And it's just not something that can be taken into account all the time because it's not exactly a workplace is more catered toward the extrovert. No, I find that in the open office, uh, introverts have to make a number of adjustments in their workspace mm-hmm. as they're able to. Um, they may put a lot of things on their desk to hide behind, um, and they w- may wear their their earphones or headphones uh, uh, more frequently than others, just to, you know, get the feeling of having some some privacy. And a and a really good a really good manager might note that and try to figure out how to make that easier mm-hmm. for the introverted person. Absolutely. Now, I hate to be the devil's advocate here, but is there any qualities that may hinder the introvert that we can tap into? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have no doubt. Um, let's see, for example, how would you feel about a phone meeting? Woof. No. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, here's one of the reasons why I think most meetings could be an email is because I've fucking hate those meetings and you know if somebody's like all right set up that phone meeting and i'm gonna be like ah, do i have to um what else um oh firing somebody or letting somebody go yeah Uh, for myself as somebody who's like highly empathetic i would i like that's very difficult right to look at somebody and and tell them that they have to be let go or or something like that is going to be really difficult or even just a, a bad performance review. Oh, I know. And you try to dress it up with the whole, I'm going to give you a little sandwich here. Two compliments and, and the and the little nugget of criticism in the middle here. I don't like dressing it up that way. <laughs> no, but you, you know, you can work really hard to try to dress it up. But the most important thing is sometimes that the, the, the meat of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, and that often can be a hard... I'm not going anywhere with that analogy, um, but it's like it can be hard to take that that middle piece. And so it's hard to deliver it, even if you do dress it up with like fancy bread. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's, I, you know, when we remember when we're in positions of power and we remember that when we give these 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 pieces of feedback, it's I tell myself at least going and going, you know, you're, you're helping them be the best they can be when you do this. 
And your job is not to walk in assassinating their ego, because it should never be about that. Um, but most certainly know that you are helping this individual be the best that they can be. And I think that's maybe what helps. I, I've, I've mm. had to, to fire two people in my life, and I hopefully never have to do it again, because it's just the worst. Because I, I too am very empathetic, and I wouldn't like that. But it's a, I don't I weigh it between a, am I helping this individual or am I helping the team? Can I do both? No. Okay, which is it then? Can you think of any other qualities of the introvert that would make being a leader difficult? Oh, I mean, yeah, the avoidance really was a big one there. Finding the time to really, like I, I tapped on it earlier, but again, if you're permanently in a place of, of a higher, like a higher position, your self-care tends to suffer. For me, I get so absorbed into a project that I, I totally forget about it. And I find that me, my weakness is, and I hate saying that, you know, my weakness is actually my strength. That's not it. That this is not a good thing is burning out. When I'm burnt out, I find my work performance suffers and I find I don't know when to really take care of myself just because mm -hmm. of how invested in something I am when I've had to realize that you are a multifaceted person. You can have more than just your work about you. I think you need to Mm -hmm. filter into some of the other things in your life that mean the most to you right now. Well, that's the other thing that a, a good manager or a good supervisor or a good manager would be able to see is that is, is who on my team is, is on the verge of a burnout mm -hmm. who needs to be told to stop working. And managers often don't. Right. Right. They often are not disposed to tell people, Oh, I think you need to back off and stop working, but they really need mm -hmm. to. Like if, if, if your people are first off, if you were expecting people to work extra hours and you're not paying them for those extra hours for stuff, that's kind of illegal, but also that's, that's not right. And you're driving people towards burnout and quitting. And often if they're willing to put in that time, they're your best people. So you need to lay down the law and tell them they need to stop right. or find out what it is that they need in order to, to, to not burn out. What do you need? so that you're not working all of these extra hours. And it's super important that a that a leader would would see that in people that report to them and be able to say, I think you need to set a limit of the time that you're working so that the rest of your life does not suffer. Yeah. And and to go along with that, introverts make great listeners. We're able to pick up on these things. We we can certainly pick up on body language really well. If you're in that position, you also need to make sure you're going to hunt for those answers and making sure you are going to out to see your employees. You are going out to see those team members. I've had an introverted leader before. They were wonderful, but where they lacked, and they this is something that they, they are very comfortable with sharing with other people. I'm not saying something I didn't personally say to them or they haven't acknowledged in themselves, is they stayed in their office. Mm. And when people came to them, they were listeners, they were great, but they never came out to go and check on everybody. It was everyone having to mm. go to them. And I think that's another important factor is making sure you're going to make your rounds, check in with everyone, see how they're doing. I'm in a great place right now that pretty much the entire office is introverts. Mm. That's pretty cool. And that's something where we, we do check in with each other. You know, there is those little catch up meetings when we've been working for long hours, it, they'll, they'll set aside mm. some time to come ask, like, how's everyone doing? Can we do anything? 
um, can we organize some time off with you to make sure you're getting out and doing what you have to do? Yeah, definitely. It is super important that a that a manager doesn't spend all their time in their office. Right. And and even now, what's what's really sort of more important is now a lot of workplaces are going work from home. Are and they're planning that when the pandemic is over, that they will continue to be primarily work from home. No. That they will be remote first and people will 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 continue to work from home. That makes the manager's job even harder. For sure. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, like, it's opened up doors to say, you know, it's, it's uh, this pandemic has asked us to reflect going, do we need to, in order to do a good job, do we need to be in a separate place from our home? And it's proven that no, mm-hmm. we can work from home and be productive and, you know, uh, not freeload, we're doing our work. I, I, mm. I myself work from home as well. And we've found a good system to, to keep us engaged with the work. This, this work from home thing came so suddenly that a lot of, I think a lot of companies are sort of scrambling to figure out how does this work with team management and people management? Mm -hmm. And for some places that's still to be answered, I think. Oh, for sure. It's a good reflection on what exactly the relationship is, because that's, that was probably a question that was Mm -hmm. never actually addressed in the first place. Mm -hmm. And now you have to deal with that. I, I mean, I, frankly, we already had a good relationship between me and my teammates. That really wasn't the issue, but I can see from another perspective of that, you know, I, do you have that sort of relationship where you can upkeep working from home? And if not, that's, that's on you to figure out as the manager, as, as, mm-hmm. especially in a leadership position. Let's go to social. Um, we asked, a lot of people might think that introverts don't make good leaders, but a lot of introverts do find themselves in leadership roles. Has that happened to you? How did it happen? And what was your experience like in a leadership position? Um, we got a few responses, but I wanted to focus on one that's that that we got that's super in-depth. So I'm going to take the time to go through that. Um, and this is from Sabrina. Mm-hmm. And Sabrina says, that's me. The how did it happen question is loaded as the North American work culture tends to promote people who are good at doing rather than people who want to lead. I could go way down that rabbit hole. From a personal perspective, it happened because I'm good at building one-on-one connections and trusting relationships. A lot of promotions are done via word of mouth, and any hiring manager worth their salt will call around asking for unofficial feedback on an internal applicant from people they can trust. I know I have had at least one VP out there who is highly regarded by executives who's been telling people that I get stuff done. Regarding my experience being a leader, there are leadership opportunities, whether you have direct reports or not. Stepping or speaking up during a meeting is leadership. Bringing people around to your point of view is leadership. Introverted does not mean passive. And a lot of leadership is about providing feedback in a timely manner and being assertive. Sometimes that means using a delivery method that is not comfortable. From the direct reports angle, it's been mixed. I have had a very difficult team and a high-performing team. Surprisingly, the hardest thing I've done is give someone positive performance review. They cried. The difficult conversations where my heart was pounding the entire time ended up going more smoothly. Go figure. I was thinking on the how some more, and I want to add that expressing interest is key. 
That could be anything from telling a boss that I want to prepare to move up to contacting people in other departments for information interviews, which I found manageable because it's 75% getting other people to talk about themselves. I spent six years in the same role because before I spoke up that I was interesting in developing my career. Since then, I haven't been in the same job for more than three years and have moved up four levels in seven years. Damn. Sabrina makes some really excellent points about about what leadership is. And I think there are things that we didn't necessarily point out earlier Mm -hmm. and about how it's, you know, speaking up is leadership, Uh, uh, convincing people of of your point of view is leadership. Mm There's different ways to be a leader that that aren't necessarily being uh, a manager or a supervisor. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, how did we not tap into that one? I know, right? (laughs) Oh, Sabrina, you're coming on the show now. (laughs) But on the other side, the interest, one of the interesting things is if you are interested, getting the um, information interview, and we've never talked about getting information interviews. If you're interested in doing something, or changing careers, or you, there's something that you're interested in doing, you often have to ask. Mm-hmm. Ask to do the information interview. And like Sabrina says, it is essentially just getting somebody to talk about themselves for a little while. We can do that. <laughs> we can definitely do that. Also, um, years ago, a couple of years ago, I was talking with a theater artistic director, and she said that you know, about 25 years before that, somebody had revealed to her the secret of everything. And the secret of everything that she wanted to impart to me and to other people was that people want to help you. Mm -hmm. If you ask for information, people will almost always say yes, especially if it's about something they're passionate about. Somebody who is passionate about something will always volunteer information. Oh, absolutely. It's so true. So if you're curious about a leadership role in your company and you're not sure what entirely what it entails, ask the person if you can buy them a coffee and you just want to know about about what that position is. Oh, it speaks volumes to people. Really does. Like you will stand out for that one. Absolutely. And also you'll learn a lot and all you really have to do is Get them talking about it. Mm-hmm. Dang, Sabrina, that was a good answer. What does the internet have for us? So the internet is absolutely full of why introverts make better leaders than they think. And it's great. You don't have to look very far. You just, just Google that, you'll find a whole bunch. But... What I did want was for our introverted leaders who are listening to take away some little little points of care. And I found a lovely article on, of course, Introvert Deer. There's 10 survival tips for introverted leaders. And I picked the ones that I, I resonated with. Go check out the, the article. There's lots of other ones in there. But the first one is embrace your introversion. So consider how you can use planning and downtime to lean on your strengths. As an introvert, you bring thoughtfulness, balance, creativity, organization, care, and determination to the workplace. And I, and I thought to myself, that's exactly it. Why would I want to work against who I am? 
that's that's like saying I need to become this this type of leader and that might not be my style at all and therefore rendering me not the greatest leader frankly well i mean we've said before about how important it is to embrace your introversion and undoing anything mm-hmm. else is pretending that you're something that you're not and that you're only going to be able to do that for so long and you're going to mm-hmm. be miserable while you're doing it so why do it absolutely it's not not going to help anybody Number two, don't wing it. A calendar and detailed to-do lists are your friends. This prep work doesn't have to be extensive, but planning your objectives, considering where others are coming from, and anticipating any points of conflict will help you actively participate and get your voice in the room. And just like Sabrina said, I think knowing exactly what you need from a situation will help you speak up. So don't walk into a room unprepared or don't walk into your work week not knowing what needs to be done. I think coming in as as prepared as you can to the best of your abilities will help you speak up and help you remember what needs to be done and what needs to be accomplished by, mm-hmm. by a certain time period, right? Number three, build downtime into your busy day. Uh, wise words that were spoken by yours truly earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to create downtime during the day. Take a walk, have lunch by yourself. You might feel self-conscious during these times, but it really is okay. These are your moments of solitude. And you may use the time to prep for an important meeting or staff discussion, or just to read and escape for a few minutes. This will re-energize you for the rest of the day. And what I did really want to highlight about this is I think so often, and I think this goes for extroverts and introverts, I think we feel guilty when we take a little downtime to ourselves. We feel like we're slacking off on the job. And I think there's a difference between slacking off on the job and doing something for yourself that's going to make you a better, a, a better worker and better leader throughout the day. And if it means just getting up from your desk and going for a quick walk, getting a breath of fresh air, um, going to grab a coffee, or just preparing some notes for a meeting coming up, I think is I, I think is way more important than keep working, keep working, keep working, and burn out at the end of the day. Because then you're just, I don't know, you're just not going to be the best self tomorrow. You're not going to be the best version of yourself the next day. Yeah. Number seven, listen to your body. Our bodies are honest reflections of the stress we hold. Whether we realize or want to acknowledge the stress in our life, if the pressure is becoming insurmountable, it will show. Mm -hmm. And that speaks for itself. And lastly on the list, I highlighted number eight, find healthy ways to cope with stress. Work can be fun and gratifying, but it is work after all. Whether you're an introvert or extrovert, find ways to decompress and manage your stress in a healthy way. Now you notice a lot of the, a lot of the list I highlighted was taking it easy, go easy on yourself. That's it's really at the end of the day for you as a leader, going easy on yourself and embracing who you are, taking that time to take care of yourself is going to make you the best leader you can be, or at least some tools. Yeah, I think in a lot of cases there's a, a perception that the good leader has to be always available and always. Um, always uh, ready to jump into action and and doesn't really have any downtime. And that is a terrible way to lead. Oh, it's so true. Number one, you are setting a terrible, terrible example for the people that report to you, for your coworkers. And also you are treating yourself terribly. Mm. You are going to burn out 
so hard and neglect so many parts of your life that, that should not be neglected. Mm-hmm. It's important that you take downtime. Otherwise, you're just going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And so is everybody around you. Oh, yeah. No, nobody wants that. That's not a healthy work environment. So, did we learn anything today? I learned that, well, I didn't exactly learn so much as I had a flashback of when I always had emails coming in and I needed to absolutely get to them. But then I remember flashing back to the moment of turning off my laptop for the end of the night and making the rule that after nine o'clock, it's my time. And then I think I've learned now that I can be more liberal and say maybe after seven o'clock. Heck, after three o'clock. No, I'm just joking. But Mm. um, no, I I did learn and remind myself that I can be a good leader. I can be an effective leader, but I will not be a good leader, nor will I be effective if I'm not taking care of myself and being kind to myself. I learned, and I learned this from from Sabrina, that the the conversation that you think is going to be a difficult one may not be as difficult as you think. The conversation that you think is glowing praise might be more than you're bargaining for. And, and you know, sometimes uh, if, especially, you know, sometimes if you're not particularly good with giving praise to your employees, um, then it can be quite a shock when they sit down to a performance review and they get told that they're amazing, that everything they do is gold, whatever it is, because that could lead to a breakdown. I have found when I've been in a leadership position, especially at work, is is always saying thank you for things. And that's just comes from my theater training as I th- say thank you for everything. But also when you just just telling people that they that good job, just telling people they did a good job. And it doesn't have to be much more than saying good job or good work finding that or good work on that call or good work doing that. These are little things that go a long way to helping your team uh, feel good about the work they're doing and to, to feel like they're doing good work. Uh-huh.